This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. We already know you guys like good stories. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads and browse their unmatched selection of audio programs. Download the one that grabs your attention for free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads to check it out. Now on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Riveting Reads podcast, where each season brings you a serialized version of thrilling new stories, along with exclusive bonus content from the author. This is season one, Insomnia, book one of the Nightwalker series by J.R. Johansson, narrated by Roy Samuelson. New episodes are posting weekly on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Stick around after today's chapter for some author insights into the writing process behind this chapter with Insomnia's author, J.R. Johansson. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and I'm here to give you a quick recap of episode 13, chapter 13 of Insomnia. At the beginning of this episode, we have Parker and Finn waiting in Finn's kitchen, where Addie has been waiting for Mia to arrive. They're hoping to have Parker run into Mia more accidentally and have it be more natural, but that's not exactly what happens. Instead, when Mia arrives, she has received a threatening email that she believes came from Parker. When Parker unintentionally makes a noise and Mia discovers them in the kitchen, she's furious. Parker asks to see the email in the hopes that he can clear his name. She refuses and tells him to leave her alone. Addie is angry at both of them, and Parker is ready to give up, but Finn isn't. Finn insists that Parker must watch Mia's dreams. He has to look for any clues to see if he can find out who is actually sending the emails. And that's it for your recap of Chapter 13. Stick around now for Chapter 14 of Insomnia. Hope you enjoy! Insomnia, The Nightwalkers Written by J.R. Johansson Narrated by Roy Samuelson 14. Mia's dream jolted me to the core the instant it began. Gone were the peaceful scenes and ease of entry. Her dream layers vibrated around me so hard it felt like she had slammed them shut on me again and again. The impact jarred me until my teeth ached. I tried to orient myself in the madness. The nightmare swirled around me in chaos. Mia and I were wearing all black, dressed in shadow, She hugged her knees on the ground beside me, sobbing and rocking back and forth. All around us swirled other levels of the dream, bits of visions, nightmares, and memories in a twisted soup of confusion. Every noise reverberated a thousand times over. My mind recoiled from the barrage on my senses, unwilling to accept the nightmare that had overtaken my sanctuary. Mia's dreams weren't like this. There was nothing peaceful or beautiful here. I knelt to the ground beside her, shoving my fists against my ears in an effort to regain some sanity. I wasn't causing this, was I? The noises quieted until I could hear only a faint crackling. The smell of something burning filled my nostrils. I was relieved until Mia's sobs intensified and I was hit with her emotions. They were twin trains of misery and fear, leaving me wide-eyed and panting. My brain couldn't think under the mad pain of it. What was going on? The swirling halted, 
leaving us in a grassy front yard. The other dream layers must have separated for the moment. The house before us was dark, but I watched as fire quickly spread to each window. In what felt like seconds, the building was engulfed in flames. That was when I heard the screaming. I thought it was Mia at first, but then realized it came from the top floor of the house. Mia rolled to her side, wrapping both arms around her head. Her misery flowed into me as it escalated. Ending it was all that mattered. Unable to close her eyes or truly block out the sound, she thrashed about, trying to turn away. The screaming in the house got louder, and I forced myself to face the blaze. If Mia had to witness it, so would I. There were figures moving inside. I saw faces in the upstairs window, a man and a woman, both older. The woman had long brown hair, and the man haunting dark blue eyes. They had to be her parents. I watched them pound on the window. The man fumbled with the latch, trying to open it. Smoke clouded the view, and I couldn't see. Then both figures were highlighted as the flames surrounded them. With their arms wrapped around each other, they melted into the fire. And within seconds, all was quiet. Mia's gasping breaths filled the stillness, and I crouched down beside her. My gut twisted. I knew my tears matched the ones that drenched her face. So much agony. I hoped to God this wasn't a memory, but deep down, I knew it was. The clarity of the sky, the stars, the vividness of the heat, the smell. It was too well-defined to be just a dream. This was real. No simple nightmare was this solid, this terrible. Mia had watched her parents burn. Sitting beside her, I buried my head in my hands, knowing how much I had added to her problems. No wonder she never answered any of my questions about her past. I'd never in a million years imagined she could have witnessed something so horrifying. I knew I couldn't touch Mia in a dream, but this was too much. I couldn't just watch her, not alone in so much pain. I reached out and wrapped both arms around her shaking shoulders. I gasped when I felt the soft fabric of her shirt with my hands, and she relaxed against me, sobbing into my chest. Then she wrapped her arms around me and clutched me so tight I had to work to breathe. I could feel her pain as it eased. It was so strange, and it made no sense at all, but somehow I was helping her through the nightmare. Somehow my touch didn't pass right through her. I held her for hours as the swirling layers came and went. We sat on the grass, and Mia cried into my chest until the flames burnt the house to ashes. I absorbed her sadness and brushed her soft hair with my hand. She smelled like salt and flowers. Trying to soothe her eased my own guilt, even if I didn't deserve it. We'll dive right back into the story after this short break. This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. 
The audiobook I'd like to recommend this episode is the one I'm actually listening to right now. It's All the Missing Girls by Megan Miranda. Here is a quick blurb about it from the back. Like the spellbinding psychological suspense in The Girl on the Train and Luckiest Girl Alive, Megan Miranda's novel is a nail-biting, breathtaking story about the disappearances of two young women a decade apart, told in reverse. I really enjoy Megan Miranda's YA thrillers, so I was really excited to check this out. But the story craft here is so, so stellar. It's really, really well done. It, at some point, jumps two weeks in the future and then starts to go back a day at a time and tell you what happens during that day. And it is incredibly well done because it would be so easy to be confusing when telling a story that way. So I really respect the craft and the characters are very, very compelling. I really recommend this. Go check it out. So whether you decide to go with my recommendation of All the Missing Girls by Megan Miranda or select an other audiobook of your choice, you can get all set up by going to audibletrial.com forward slash riveting reads. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash riveting reads to get your free audiobook. Hope that was a nice breather for you because we now continue with Insomnia. After the flames died out, the house and yard faded to blackness. She still clung to me, but her sobbing had stopped. Her breath came in quiet puffs, but they were slowing in frequency as she regained control. The other layers of her dream faded to the background, and I knew I should try to sleep, but I couldn't, I wouldn't leave her. Not in this nightmare, all alone. I owed her that much, especially when I knew she could feel me here. Thank you, Mia whispered. Her small hands rubbed my back, sending a shiver down my spine. She was trying to figure out who I was. Her hands ran up to my shoulders and down along my biceps until she pushed her face away from my chest and looked up into my eyes. Her expression went from curious to horrified, and in a split second she was on her feet. I lay back on the ground as her panic ran through every nerve ending in my body, transforming them into something raw and terrible. The moment she broke physical contact with me, she seemed confused. She spun back and forth, her eyes searching, and her arms held out in front of her for protection. I realized she couldn't see me anymore. I froze, trying to breathe through the fear. I had hoped maybe I could show her who I really was, that I didn't want to hurt her, if only in her dreams. But it was no use. This was my fault. My actions had caused her terror. I didn't resist as her emotions cut like a scalpel, tearing my insides apart. I deserved every slice. Before I knew it, the dream changed and swirled around us like fabric in the wind until we settled inside our school. A thunderstorm vibrated the building. Mia ran to the wall and flipped the light switch. Nothing happened. Typical nightmare scenario. My muscles tensed, sensing this dream wouldn't get any better. A low, dreadful chuckle came from the end of the hall, followed by the sound of footsteps. I squinted, and Mia stopped, standing still as a statue, both of us trying to make out who it was. The figure stayed in shadow. The footsteps quickened, and a primal growl filled the air. Mia's flight instinct made my hair stand on end, and she sprinted down the hall, away from the figure. I was jerked along with her until I got my feet under me and ran beside her. The hall seemed to go on forever, the pursuer coming closer with every breath. 
Mia ran until she was panting and clutching her side. My heart pounded in my ears for my own exertion. We came to the end of the hall, but instead of the doors that led out to the back parking lot, there was another wall of lockers. A dead end. Mia searched for something to defend herself with, but there was nothing. She tried to open a locker to hide in, but they were all locked. New emotions flowed with the fear now, a spike of anger and confusion. My own anger mingled with hers. I wanted so much to help her, protect her from any more pain. Watching her parents die and having creepy me following her around? She had been through enough. If anyone deserved to have peaceful dreams, it was Mia. The footsteps slowed, and again the disturbing laugh echoed around us. Please, leave me alone, Mia whimpered. You know I can't do that. The voice from the shadows was deep, distorted, and gravelly. I told you how I feel about you. Threatening someone isn't love, Mia spat out the words. Maybe you don't know what real love is. The pursuer was mere feet away now, and their conversation sent a chill through me. I wasn't sure I wanted to see who it was anymore. He lit a match, and I choked as I watched a darker, colder version of myself lift up a torch and light it. No, this couldn't be happening. The sneer on my face and cold light in my eyes were darker than I had ever seen in a mirror, almost inhuman. But still, I could see him for what he was. Mia knew me better than I thought, and better than she should. She could see the darkness within me, and she had brought that part of me to life in her nightmares. And here, I couldn't even try to control it. Fear pulsed from Mia as she cowered away from the torch's flames and the darkness walked closer. I didn't want to see what Mia thought I was capable of, but I couldn't drag my eyes away. As I stood in the corner, my entire body shook with a fear I had inspired in her. Darkness reached out and touched her face. She cringed, and he grabbed her hair, smashing her head into the locker. My skull exploded with her pain. Mia screamed, and blood ran down the side of her face. You'll learn to love me, and no one else. The voice was mine now, not the gravelly distortion of before. But it didn't make any sense. It couldn't be me. I'd never said anything like this, nothing about loving Mia. Unless, of course, the threatening email said those things, the one she had thought was from me. I felt ill, overwhelmed by every emotion and image around me. The dream might not be me, but it came from the reality I had created for her. My actions made her believe I was this guy. Mia whispered something too low to hear, and darkness brought the torch near her face. She froze like a deer in the headlights, unable to move with the flames so close. My spine stiffened as I felt her cold fear. After seeing the nightmare of her parents' deaths, I knew why. No wonder she had refused when Jeff had tried to bring her closer to the bonfire at the beach. I watched as I, he, grabbed a strand of her hair and touched it to the fire. She squeaked when the flame leapt up, almost reaching her head before darkness squished it between two fingers. He laughed. He enjoyed torturing her. I knew I had to stop him, but I couldn't. My fists passed right through him. Apparently, 
I could affect the dreamer, at least with Mia, I could. But I was as helpless as everyone else when it came to the dream itself. Thunder shook the building from outside like a reflection of all the frustration I felt. Darkness, this other me, opened a locker and pulled some kind of metal stand out. I swore under my breath and took a step back. The locker had been locked when Mia tried it just a moment ago. Darkness put the torch in the stand, the flame positioned far too close to Mia's face. Her entire body was trembling so hard that the locker behind her made a strange rattling noise that echoed in the empty hall. Darkness grabbed the hair on the back of her head with one hand and crushed her face to his. His other hand wandered freely over her body, and she screamed in protest. I shuddered and backed away from the scene. I couldn't do it, couldn't feel this, couldn't be a part of this. No matter what he did, Mia couldn't seem to move. Her eyes locked on the fire, paralyzed. My worst fears played out before my eyes, and I felt her terror, the terror of my victim. How could I have let myself become this monster in her life? Was it within me, aching to get to the surface? No, it was worse than that. I knew it had already gained some kind of control over me. Darkness rammed Mia's head into the locker again, growling, Kiss me back, or I'll make you wish you had. Mia didn't blink. She didn't lift her eyes from the flame, but she was still in there, striving to fight back. Her anger flared as she opened her mouth and brought both lips inward until only a thin strip of pink remained. Mia had strength. She was still herself. Darkness roared, a sound of fury unlike anything I'd ever heard before. He rammed Mia's head against the locker again. Ruby blood dripped down to the floor. He did it again. Again. And again. Her eyes were still open, but they appeared unfocused as the dream began to blur. Stop! I felt my voice tear loose from my throat. My brain was smashed by wave after wave of pain. Stop hurting her! Nothing changed. No one heard. I kept yelling until my throat went raw, pounding my hands against the locker behind me until they bled. But it made no sound. I crouched deeper into the corner, quaking and sobbing as I watched myself hurt Mia over and over. Her face was unrecognizable except for her dark blue eyes. They weren't watching the flame anymore. It seemed like they were staring straight at me, the real me. And with one final bone-shattering smash against the locker, they closed, releasing me from my own private hell. Thanks for listening to the Riveting Reads podcast, Season 1, Insomnia. New podcast episodes will be available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're not the patient type and want the full book now, you can find the audiobook on Audible Podcasts or the paperback version on Amazon. Stick around for some author insights from J.R. Johansson about the chapter featured in this episode. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and welcome to the Authorly Insights section on Chapter 14. This chapter is truly a roller coaster for Parker, and 
Rereading it several years after writing it, it was for me too. We learned so many important details here about Mia's past, Parker's ability to interact with her in the dream, and then the violence that Mia truly believes that Parker is capable of. It's disturbing, and it should be. Even though this hasn't happened in reality, and Parker wouldn't really do what the dream version of him does here, we know from this that Mia believes he is capable of true evil. It gives us a glimpse of what the threatening email might have said. Putting yourself in Parker's shoes. Can you imagine watching yourself do something absolutely horrifying in someone else's dreams? It would be traumatic. I think watching yourself do something that you aren't controlling would be really horrifying anyway, but do something that awful? I can't even imagine. As much as Mia goes through in this nightmare, Parker goes through as much or more because he is fully awake through all of it. Witnessing these kinds of things, it changes a person. And this changes him. Seeing himself do that, it changes what he believes he is capable of on some level. And that is a really big deal. And that's it for the Authorly Insight section on Chapter 14. Thanks for listening. Let me know if you have any thoughts on this topic. I will see you next time. I just want to wish you all a fantastic new year and happy 2020. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Riveting Reads. Please check out details for our reader appreciation program in the podcast notes or on rivetingreadspodcast.com. Also, a reminder that we're still a new podcast and we would love to hear from you. Please subscribe as well as rating and reviewing in your podcast app. Thanks, and we'll see you in a few days for the next episode.